You are listening to Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga, a podcast designed to explore yoga philosophy and psychology, taking it beyond the mat and into the world. How can we connect yoga and psychology to everyday life? My name is Jen, I'm your host, world-traveling yoga instructor, blogger, and the founder of Iveya Luna, Mindful Wellbeing, Peaceful Living. Every week on the podcast, we will be exploring different topics through yogic and psychological perspectives. I will occasionally be welcoming brilliant guests and hosting exciting Q&As. And for you yoga teachers, once a month, there'll be a mindful marketing segment to help you take your business to the next level by connecting your yoga to your marketing. So join me as we wander the heart, the mind, and the world on this podcast. Wherever you are on your journey, I'll meet you there. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga. Um, so I made a mistake, actually, the other last episode when I said that it was going to be my last episode without my new mic. Um, today, I'm without my new mic once more because I made a mistake with the dates. I mis- I mistakenly thought that it was the 15th of November last Friday, just for like a moment. and uh, And it's evidently not. So... Alas, my mic is coming on Friday, right? Because that's the 15th, because uh, we're the 12th, 15th, yeah. So I do apologize for that, and I'm getting really, really excited, but I'm also hyping it up quite a bit, and I don't know for sure that it's going to be exponentially better or that it's going to be exactly the way I want it straight away. So we're going to be experimenting a little bit, and Thomas is creating me some sort of weird cushiony studio <laughs> so that I can really maximize the quality of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, really riveting news. I'm sure I have you at the edge of your seats. Um, in other news, though, I wanted to give a, a chance to all of you to ask me questions if you have any, um, and um, also update you on some things that are going on right now with me and the biz, which I do ever so often. Um, and because there's a lot going on and things do come up a lot and I have these different inspirations <laughs> and these different projects, uh, I wanted to update you and obviously always encourage you to ask me questions of any kind that you have in any which way that you want to ask me, you can either go straight to the Ask Jen tab on my website, jenangelab.com, or you can DM me on Instagram if you're following my business Instagram, which is fairly new, so, and I've been a little bit lax on posting there consistently, but that will change now. It changed today. I set up a whole schedule of posting. Um, so anyway, <laughs> if you're following me on my business Instagram, at Yoga then you can DM me there. If you're following my Jen Angela account, then you can DM me there, jen.angela. That's Jen with a G, by the way, um, for those of you who don't know. And of course, if you're in my Facebook group, then Genevieve Luna. It kind of combines the two. <laughs> so a bit of me and also the business. So it's a bit of a combination of my two Instagram accounts. Okay, so what I wanted to talk, talk, talk to you guys about was that I set up a shop on my website. So you can now shop my favorite items. And I have categories right now are yoga, well-being, travel, books, and 
uh, and that's it actually, which is no surprise. I mean, it's basically what I'm about is yoga, well-being and travel and of course books, which I love. I love, 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 love to read. So I have some really good ones there. I'm also going to be doing some custom merchandise, but that's not out yet. Anyway, you can look at this, um, look at this stuff and shop around. There's some great, great things there. And of course, there are affiliate links associated to these products. So I will be receiving a small commission if you do purchase them. Just a my like a little cheeky disclaimer. <laughs> um, so if you do, thank you so much. It's very appreciated. Uh, so that's for the shop. I'm really starting to buckle down and create a lot of academic content, uh, a lot of uh, content for the academy. So there's going to be, uh, like I've said before, some PDFs, some free PDFs, some eBooks, and really working on the courses at the minute. Um, yeah, and because I'm still working on the content, feel free to let me know what you would want to see. Uh, in the courses. If you want to see kind of what the courses are about, you can go already on my website on the Aveiluna Academy and look at the art and see what comes to mind. There's I, I put the photo art for each project that I'm working on. Um, so reading the title and reading and looking at the image, just what inspires you? What do you think of when you think of, for example, the psychology of yoga? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or yoga beyond the mat? Or how to create a, a community for your business and all these different things that I have set out there. What comes to mind and what do you want to know about? Because I can add that into the course or the ebook or the PDF. So that's for that. And what else, you guys? I mean, I think right now that's all. Uh, everything else is the same. The services are the same. I'm still taking on private clients. I can take a couple more. Um, I can also take on one more person for business coaching. And by business coaching, in this case, I mean the whole shebang, you guys. Setting up your website, setting up your accounts and all of that stuff, helping you set up pages and um, menu bars, like the whole, whole thing, which you can see and find out more about on my website. So do check that out. If you're an entrepreneur, especially a yogi entrepreneur, and you don't know how to start your business and you're wondering if you should have a website or not, then yes, you should. And it doesn't have to be that hard and scary. I can help you. We can help you. It will be amazing. We'll set up the most amazing website. We'll give you all the perks, all the things. You say it, we do it pretty much. So, um, and obviously we discussed this at length and, you know, there are different features and things. So no, it's not just this free for all. Um, I don't want to be misleading, but we do take care of so, so much of it for you. You also get one-on-one -on -one coaching from me. Um, and this is a process and we follow you, you know, we support you along the way and we're always there to help. So yeah, if you are keen for that, let me know. I only take one or two people a month. So do let me know, um, if you want to do that. And if you've been wanting to take your business online or just start a new business, let me know. Okay, but today, what I wanted to talk about on the podcast is not just that. I wanted to sort of talk about, in though it is a limited capacity, I wanted to talk about yoga and anxiety. But before we really tie yoga and anxiety together, I wanted to just talk about anxiety. So if you follow me on Instagram, you will know that a couple of weeks ago, or rather last week, I posted about um, the panic attacks I was getting a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago now. And I just want to say one thing about panic attacks. I did not realize how scary and serious they were until last week. Or sorry, not last week, last month when they happened. 
I had no idea that they were this scary. I had no idea that you actually felt like you were going to die. I had no idea. And they're not like this crazy attack. Like they're called panic attacks. And I can see why. Because there's that acute feeling of of all of death (laughs) and discomfort. But I wouldn't say it's such an attack where you're, you know, I don't know, like you're getting any at least not in my experience, it wasn't like these sharp, sharp pains where these, um, or this feeling where suddenly I couldn't breathe, right? Like my air, my airway was completely cut off or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. It was sort of this weird, subtle, but aggressive feeling of impending doom. It was like this, and then all the other intense things happened, right? Like, and then the the pains happened and the sharp esophageal spasms and the you know the feeling like I really couldn't breathe and feeling lightheaded and then it started to feel like a heart attack and I'm not being funny you guys I I was convinced I was having a heart attack and not because I'm some kind of hypochondriac not because I'm insane <laughs> or anything like that really really not I was just living my life going about my life it was evening And I was watching a film and I was in bed with Thomas and suddenly I just felt like my heart just felt very weird. All of me felt very weird. I then was suddenly very dizzy, lightheaded. Uh, My heart started palpitating and I just was convinced I was dying. And I think that was the scariest part was your mind going insane and or, or feeling like it's going insane in that sense, right? Like you don't know what's happening anymore. You feel like it's the end. I mean, I can go on about this for hours, but the point is, it was, it was just such a scary, scary feeling. And I genuinely, honestly, like I see why it's called an attack in the way that I'm describing it to you. But it also just snuck up on me in the creepiest little way. It was just like this subtle feeling. And then suddenly it was the worst feeling ever. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just very scary. And then it sort of scarred me a little bit. And then the next night it happened again. And then the next night it happened again. You know, and I made an appointment with my doctor, but I couldn't see her for another couple of days. And I'm assuming when I spoke to the lady on the phone, it, they didn't think it was that serious, fair enough. Um, and it was just very scary, but I had to put my mind at ease and, and go and see my doctor. The day of the appointment, I was sitting in a cafe doing some work. I swear to God, I'm just blogging. And I started to get the feeling again. Like, where is it coming from? What is happening? And it just suddenly, again, same thing. This weird flutter in my entire being that was just convinced I was going to die. And I thought I was going to die. And it was was just all the things were happening. And I'm trying to calm myself and tell myself, okay, you're, you're not having a heart attack. Like, relax. It's okay. Just breathe. But I didn't know for sure. Like at that point, I had set my mind to the fact that I wanted to get that confirmed by the doctor. So it didn't really put my mind at ease, but it definitely helped because I had done a lot of research naturally at that point and I needed to get to the bottom of it. I needed to understand what was happening to me and why it was happening and what I could do about it. So the first thing I want to say is obviously these things are different for everyone. So whilst I described it this way, um, it also felt different in the moment. Like now looking back, I obviously have a different perspective. Also, every person is different. So it's going to feel differently 
for everyone, obviously. But one thing I really want to stress is how scary this really is. And I don't think that we should take it lightly. If somebody tells us they think they're having a panic attack or they're feeling lightheaded or their heart's fluttering or anything like that, I know it sounds obvious because, well, yeah, if the person's having a stroke or a heart attack or an angina, like we should do something about it. It's like, yes, but panic attacks can feel like heart attacks. Okay? That's something that not everyone knows. Panic attacks are not just... And not making light of this, but to, to compare, is not just feeling stressed out about something and having a quick heartbeat. It's not just, oh, I have an exam, I have butterflies in my tummy now. Yeah? Yes, there are nerves and there's stress, but it's not necessarily panic. And it's not necessarily a panic attack. Okay? So when you have a panic attack, it really is crippling. Okay? And... I don't even think that what I had was the worst kind because, I mean, I've heard some really intense stories. Um, but I think once you enter the, the, the realm of panic attack, it doesn't really matter. In fact, it, nobody should be judged for any discomfort they're feeling. I'm just saying that panic attacks are serious business, you guys, and I don't think that we should take it lightly. If someone around us is saying that they think they're having a panic attack or if they're feeling symptoms and you know that it's a panic attack, or you feel it might be a panic attack, go for that first, yeah? So, um, obviously, if it's, if it's stroke symptoms, then go for that, or heart attack symptoms, go for that, but panic attacks can be very scary, and so the person needs you to not just be saying, oh, relax, you're just freaking out, and just actually have some measures in place, so that's what this episode's about, and also, in case you've been through it, um, I want you to know that you're not alone and if you don't know if you've ever had any, if you've felt anything that I just said, you've probably had a panic attack Um, and in fact, I used to think I, I would get panic attacks, I was getting panic attacks, I used to think, yep, I'm having one right now and perhaps they were mild panic attacks but these, you guys, were so scary so scary, one of them even happened when I was at Sainsbury's, like at the grocery store with, with Thomas we were cashing out and I suddenly, again, felt like my heart was going to come through my chest. I swear, out of nowhere. And it started feeling this this cold but burning sensation in my chest. I, I couldn't tell if it was cold or burning, like I didn't know it was happening. Then suddenly my mind starts going and, and, and thinking of all these terrible things. And then I started feeling lightheaded and then I couldn't breathe. And I my hands were tingling and shaking and I was just losing it. But in in a quiet way, like looking at me, you wouldn't know, you know, um, nobody batted an eyelash in the store because nobody thought it was anything was happening. But I was panicking. I told Thomas, I'm sorry, I need to step outside. I'm so sorry. I need to uh, get some air. And I was I was freaking out, you guys. And um, yeah, just just convinced that there was something wrong. And I'm quite intuitive and like in touch with my body, in touch with you know, I can feel things before they even manifest. Like, I know, for example, sometimes if I'm going to have, um, like, a, a UTI, or I know if I'm going to have, like, I know when I'm ovulating, which a lot of women do, but that's that's a kind of an intuition thing. Um, you know, just little things like that. I can feel them um, before there's, like, that intense feeling, right? And so this was scaring me, because I was like, well, no, 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 like, I'm very aware of my body, this is not normal, um, but, you know, obviously I was I was kind of wrong in that, yes, there was something happening, but it wasn't what I thought, and I needed to use that fact to calm my mind, 
and I'm quite a uh, well that that just helps me other people really just breathing is enough I needed to know or I needed to believe anyway that it was just a panic attack and to do that I had to do the research and go see the doctor and which I know might sound silly but I, I just needed to know in a moment like that I needed to be able to say it's just a panic attack calm down and then I could tackle the panic attack part but I needed to say to myself, I'm not going to die. So that's the first thing I want to talk about is, it's just a panic attack. As in, ju- I don't like using the word just in situations like this, but it's not death. It's a panic attack. You're not going to die. It's a panic attack. It's a physical symptom or a set of physical symptoms that are making you feel the way that you're feeling. But they're not fact in that what they're making you feel is not fact. What they're making you feel emotionally, uh, the impending doom, that's not fact. Fact is what's happening to you physically. Yeah? And you're reacting emotionally. So what's happening physically, whatever symptoms you have, what's actually happening is that there's this surge of adrenaline in your body when you're having a panic attack. Almost two times what you would normally have in a situation or in a regular situation, but it has nowhere to go. And it was funny when I read that because I felt as though I had just worked out or just finished a really intense run or sprint, but I wasn't running. And I had that feeling as though I had just had like a really intense workout, like particularly a cardio workout, except I hadn't just had one. It was the weirdest feeling. I was like, what is this? And that is in part due to that adrenaline that has nowhere to go in the body. So you get this massive surge of adrenaline and it has nowhere to be channeled. So it just stays inside of you and grows in this weird way that's not proportionate to what your body needs in that moment. And then it's all off kilter and you're feeling all these symptoms because there's that release after the intensity. So for example, when you do have high stress situations, how exhausted are you after? It's exhausting to come down from an adrenaline rush. It really is, right? Or or even even having a coffee rush, why it makes you crash like that, right? Or sugar rush. So adrenaline rush, it's the same sort of thing. Like you have nothing to, to do. It's just surging, this intense amount of adrenaline. And you're just staying in place. And that could be a very intense feeling. Yeah, because it's a chemical, don't forget. There's literally a chemical inside of you that didn't need to be dispensed the way it had been. And now you're just sitting there with it and it's giving you these weird feelings. So that's the first thing that you can visualize um, when, when you're having those feelings is maybe just think about the chemical in your body and how it has nowhere to go. So take deep breaths and help it have somewhere to go. For example, channeling it toward longer, deeper breaths. Taking that energy, yeah, and channeling it toward really purposeful breaths purposeful movements in your body like for example if you have the opportunity to get into some nice comfortable positions if you're at home you can get into some nice comfortable positions when I was in moments like that I didn't like to be on my back it scared me and I know that a lot of times yoga instructors will talk about going into shavasana or the lying down corpse pose when you're having an anxiety attack but I actually find that that does the opposite for me so if shavasana does speak to you in a moment like that and you do feel like it helps by all means flop into shavasana (laughs) you know but I just don't find it I find it scares me and as I lay down like that I just feel heavier in my chest so I like to get in either to a child's pose or I get into a 
uh, a child's pose, but on my knees and then I put my head and my arms on my bed. So I'm kind of 90 degrees-ish. Um, and the reason why I like that is because I'm not as stressed out as I would be on my feet, right? Because when you're on your feet, you're like ready to go. I'm only on my knees, but there's still a level of of control or being kind of ready to move when you're feeling restless like that because you're on your knees and then you can put your head down without feeling suffocated and I know that this may sound counterintuitive because you're thinking well why would you want to keep control you're obviously panicking you need to relax it's like yeah but going from complete panic attack to like I'm just going to chill out now is not really easy for everybody and it's not um it's not necessarily attainable depending on the kind of panic attack you're having. And uh, and that's what I found as well for myself. Like I needed to, if I was going to control my breath, for example, and relax on the breath front, I needed to give myself a little bit of leeway in the physical front. So not do anything too compromising in that in that moment. And that's what I found helped. So when I happened at home, I stood there and I went on my knees and I kind of put my head and my arms down on my bed and I took long, deep breaths. When I was at the when I was at the grocery store, I went outside and I really just made sure to make the cold air go into my lungs and out. And I really took advantage of the cold air. Like I visualized the cold air. I focused on the cold air. That was my mindfulness exercise in that moment. Then was when I was at the cafe, the same thing. Then I tried to close my eyes and that was a bit scary for me. So I kept my eyes open. I kept my eyes open. And I just took deep breaths. Do the first things first. And breathing is usually the first thing. So even if you can't lie down or get into any position, you can sit or stand. The breathing is really what will help. Yeah? The breathing is going to be the biggest, biggest thing for you. Now, it's not to say that these other positions aren't good in between panic attacks or just in general when we're feeling a bit stressed or whatever. Absolutely. Shavasana and all these other things. Absolutely. But right in the middle of an intense panic attack, sometimes trying to find these positions for yourself is not really going to help. Um, there are a couple go-to, and even though it's really valuable per person, um, but, um, but, but I always feel like maybe just making sure that your lungs and your chest have a place to go, and they're open, and they're not constricted, and that you're putting yourself in a position where your body can calm itself. Yeah. And another thing with your breathing, what can help is trying to hold your exhale for two seconds when you're done exhaling and holding your inhale for two seconds. For example, if I go inhale, one, two, one, two. Obviously, they would be like slower and, and deeper than this eventually, but, but the idea is to try to really kind of harness the power of your breath because what your breath does the rest your body will follow so your nervous system will react to your breath and so if you're like oh my god I'm, I'm panicking and I don't know what to do it doesn't matter what position you put yourself in do you understand it doesn't matter if you if you lie down or if you stand or if you it really doesn't what you need to do is calm your breath obviously putting yourself in a, in a comfortable position whatever that may be for you will help but you need to focus on your breath and everything that accompanies that like for example making sure that you I don't know untie a jacket if you have like a bunch of layers on if you can unbutton things a little bit or take off your scarf like that would help <laughs> you know little things that might stress you uh, if you're wearing a heavy backpack try to take it off like lighten yourself so that the breath doesn't feel as suffocated and then in turn you won't feel so suffocated so taking that time to relax and create space 
in the chest and in the lungs and really visualize your entire heart and chest expanding and having room but most importantly having oxygen in them and that will help you focus your energy as well because then you're going to think okay I can feel this breath I can feel this oxygen it's filling my lungs the way it should I have enough oxygen you know so on and so forth to really make sure that you feel yourself Another thing that's really important to factor in with uh, panic attacks is that there's something called panic disorder. So it this goes under anxiety disorder and panic disorder is actually, it's not necessarily due to environmental circumstances. Like it's not necessarily because you're stressed in your life. It can be a genetic predisposition. It could be a chemical imbalance in your brain. It can be many things. Um, but it's not necessarily that you're stressed in life. So often people are going to say like, Oh, well, to solve my anxiety, I need to f- solve my life. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, like a big part of my work revolves around that sentence. <laughs> but it's also important to note that sometimes it isn't something like that. And you stress yourself more trying to find a problem and trying to diagnose yourself with all these things. And it hurts you more than it heals you. So sometimes just keeping it simple, especially when you're having the panic attack, will help you kind of focus and keep everything aligned so that you're not then spiraling into all these things that it could be just focus on it's not death i'm not dying i'm going to be okay i need to breathe i'm going to breathe my body has what it needs everything is okay and then you just focus on that now if you find that there is something in your life that is causing this that's another story if you want to see if there's something in your life causing this then that's another story If you'd like to develop a practice, a daily mindfulness practice or a daily yoga practice or, you know, whatever it is that you want on the mat, beyond the mat to help this anxiety, be it a chemical or a genetic predisposition or a situational problem or both, then you can go see the necessary specialist. You can go see the necessary yoga instructor, which I can help you with, by the way, (laughs) if that's something that you'd like to do with me, we can do that sort of practice and that develop that um, practice development together Um, if there's something that I cannot help you with or if your situation is one that I don't feel comfortable taking care of entirely on my own then I will also refer as I always say but this is something that you can get help with so that you're not alone in dealing with it and that's why it needs to be spoken about as well as that everyone just thinks like oh you're an anxious person you're high strung And this is my third and last point about anxiety is that it's always thought to be that like you're stressed and high strung and oh you must be OCD and oh you're this and oh you're that and you're neurotic and you're like everything clean and suddenly it's like this big spiral for some reason and that comes from the fact that people have been trying to use diagnoses as playground insults for as long as I can remember and I'm sure it happened a long time before I was able to remember People just like, because we have all this knowledge about psychology at our disposal, we suddenly think that we're all psychologists and then we all start diagnosing other people. And if someone's a little bit neater or a bit cleaner, they must be OCD. If someone has, you know, panics before exams, they for sure have anxiety disorder. If someone, you know, uh, says a certain thing the wrong way, oh my God, what a narcissist, right? Like there are all these things happening. And I think... It's good that, and I've said this before, I think it's good that we have all this knowledge at our disposal. I really do. Um, but I think it's always important to understand where our, where our role ends and another person's role begins. And I think it's also important to understand what, what our, 
what our business is and what is not our business. And, you know, unless you're a psychologist, you shouldn't be trying to analyze or diagnose someone. Uh, you can do it, make, I guess, to yourself, but you can't like tell the person that. It's not really any of your business. Um, and even psychologists don't randomly run around town diagnosing people. So if somebody wants to be diagnosed or they need help with something, they will go seek help. If you recommend that they should, you can also recommend that as a friend, but people will, if they want to help themselves, they will then go and seek help. But this brings me back, sorry, to the idea of using psychological terms and diagnoses as playground insults. So like I said, I think that it's very important to have knowledge at our disposal, but I also think it's important to understand to uh, to, to understand how to handle the information at our disposal, right? So like I said, unless you're a licensed psychologist or psychotherapist or a psychiatrist, I, you can't really diagnose or make an analysis about someone. This is not to say that you might not be right because you know you're really knowledgeable about psychology, and you you know you you're really intuitive and you have a talent for this. It's not to say that you're wrong, um, but we we shouldn't go around diagnosing in any serious way. Obviously, and this might sound. Again, this might sound obvious, but there are people who do that. And now, there's a very big difference between, for example, me or people that I know who have the same studies as me uh, and the same kind of knowledge and that same intuition even to make comments or to have psychological discussions or to make assessments in terms of like just uh, in terms of a discussion. That's one thing. Um, but But for people who just are convinced and they have this sort of authority about whatever diagnosis they think someone has, that's an entirely different story. So I just wanted to make the distinction there. So if you've been on the receiving end of that, of somebody just diagnosing you and labeling you without any education or training, and worse, if you've been spoken to that way without your permission or without soliciting their advice, and they were a professional that's not good either. So I think we need to be the masters of our well-being and our mental health. And if we want to get help for something, we will. Um, But it's very hard for us to want to go get help when there's such a stigma out there and there's so many opinions being flown around. It's very difficult. And, um, And I think it makes it harder. And it makes it more difficult for us to deal with it on the everyday, like for us to cope with whatever's going on in the everyday. And it makes it harder for us to want to reach out or even talk about it in any way, informally or formally, because well, because of all the stigma and all the judgment and all the labeling and all the misuse of language and misuse of the knowledge. Am I right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> for this one, I really think so. Um, and I've honestly, I've heard of so many people talk to me about how they struggle with this. And honestly, I do too. And I've been on the receiving end of it as well. And the person wasn't even a, a psychologist or a specialist of any kind and no formal training in psychology, not even an undergrad, nothing. And I have an undergrad in psychology. I've done formal studies post-grad um, as in like graduate studies in psychology, and I still don't go around diagnosing people. Yeah, like I'll make assessments or if someone asks, I'll be like, well, you know, like we'll have just educated discussion or interesting discussion, absolutely. But I'm not going around like using these as insults or playground insults, for sure. A, for sure not doing that. And B, I'm not giving it as like any formal opinion or formal 
you know, anything like that. But when me and my friends get together and, you know, we have these conversations and we talk about that, you know, you can even listen to podcasts of people who are not licensed psychiatrists and psychologists talking about human psyche or criminals or, or, you know, all that stuff, which is so fascinating to talk about as well, right? We have such a fascination with that. So again, just wanted to really stress the fact that I'm not saying that we shouldn't have knowledge at our disposal. I'm just saying that we should know how to use it. And most importantly, and the point to this, sorry for sidetracking, but not really. Um, the point of this was to say that nobody should come at you and start diagnosing you or analyzing you, professional or not, without your consent or without you asking for their opinion. Not to mention that it takes a long time to study something and to track the patterns of someone to be able to make a diagnosis just like at the very least yeah okay and because of this there is a stigma well this is one of the reasons why there's a massive stigma and a massive difficulty for people to not only cope in the everyday but to reach out and get help or just to talk about it like I said informally or formally and that's one of the things I want to really shed is that stigma and one thing I really want to help is that openness about mental health and and to offer support. Again, not because I am a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist, but because I have knowledge and I am a yoga instructor and there are tools I can offer you to help. And I'm training to be a yoga therapist as well. So I'll be doing a lot of in-depth like anatomical training and mental health training. And I just, I'm really passionate about this and I want to help. And then most of all, for this episode in particular, my personal experiences with anxiety have made me want to help with anxiety even more and to make me want to help and talk about mental health even more and uh, anxiety is like this weird sneaky one that everyone kind of talks about but doesn't really and I think that's that's the case with a lot of mental health is oh yeah bipolar personality disorder OCD panic attacks anxiety narcissism psychopath um, but but like we're not really talking about it like we are but we're not yeah which which I think is a pattern we have in general as a society like as people but I think that you know we can't we can't have it both ways we can't talk about it senselessly but then have a massive stigma about it like if we're going to talk about it we should talk about it properly and that's it right so yeah so that's my my little rant about that and um yeah so that's my rant and anyway so I hope these tips were useful for you. I hope that that in some way supported you in your journey. If you are struggling with anxiety or if someone that you know is struggling with anxiety or panic disorder or anything related or anything that this resonated like inside of you, I hope that this helped. And, um, and I know that it's a limited space and I can't go into much detail with different poses and techniques and, and exercises and all that. So if you do want to know more or you want to uh, work with me in that way or if you want a referral or anything like that please 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 reach out to me don't let yourself just go through this or your loved ones go through this when there's help out there and people who actually care and who want to help so don't um, yeah you're not alone so don't miss out on a quality of life that you deserve okay just don't so anyway you guys that's it for me I feel like it was a bit short but um, eh, whatever we'll have more episodes so anyway have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. You will obviously hear again, hear from me again. Uh, if you hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, on my website, I will be about. You will hear from me. You will see my content. 
we'll be connecting. And most of all, the part that I don't know for sure is if I'm going to be hearing from you. Okay, so you'll be hearing from me. I want to know to I want to be able to hear from you, and I want to know what you think. If you want to share your story with me about uh, what you're struggling with with mental health or with anything else, please, please, please don't feel shy or like you're going to be creepy or weird. Absolutely not. I'm not just saying this. Please reach out to me. That's the point of this, and that's the point of this community. So, by all means reach out and connect and if somebody you know needs to hear this episode please share it and last thing as always you guys I would love 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 to get a review and a rating it really means a lot and it really helps out the show so anything that you can do in that front would be great and again if you can just send me a picture of it when it's done so I can thank you personally because I don't always see them show up and uh and I don't want to miss out. So thank you so, so much wherever you are in the world and however you're feeling. I hope that you're happy, healthy and safe and we'll speak soon. Namaste.